Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast, special winter meetings edition. I'm John Manuel, Will Lingo, and J.J. Cooper are here. More than 50 years of Baseball Americanists here at the table. <laughs> and uh, guys, that was a, we've got a lot to talk about. This is our kind of winter meetings. Instead of free agents being paraded around the lobby, it's about Baseball America Gala and trades involving prospects for big leaguers. This is our kind of winter meetings. Man, Rule 5 back. draft news with the double-A phase being eliminated. J.J. Cooper with an exclusive at BaseballAmerica.com. So yeah, Johan no wanted to have. Johan <laughs> Moncada hanging out with us Sunday night and then changing addresses we're, less than 48 hours later. We're a little bit of a curse. Last year we had Dansby Swanson on the cover at the winter meetings and he gets traded during the awards gala. This year, Yoel Moncada comes in Sunday night for the minor league baseball uh, 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 dinner, and we gave him his minor league player of the year award, and uh, he leaves here a Red Sox, and he gets traded the day after to the White Sox. So we'll start off with the B.A. Gala real quick, uh, a little navel-gazing, but uh, it's that kind of night. It was a great night. Uh, it was a hell of a room last night, guys. When you walk in, and there are three Hall of Famers with John Sherholtz and Bobby Cox <coughs> and Pat Gillick. John Sherholtz with his Hall of Fame pin, mm -hmm. and people kept pointing it out to him. Like, and that's a great pin. I, and seeing him the night before and just congratulating him, I mean, it is just like, it, it's funny. You, you would, in some ways, you would think that someone like John Sherholtz would, would view it as very much as, okay, yes, this is nice. You know, but it's like no. perfunctory. It's, it's, yes, I expected this in some ways. It's not. It is yeah. something where someone who has done almost everything that you could do in the game, you would say. And it really seems to have struck him as a enormous honor and, and one that it just kind of has him walking around on a cloud. And playing off that, the fact that he was here at our event to honor one of their minor league affiliates. Oh, that was... I mean, just shows you what the Braves... The Braves are, showed out. Right. The, what, what they want to create is their organization culture. The Braves had JJ, their president of baseball. Well, they had their Hall of Fame like head honcho, John Sherholtz, who's 76 years old, but still clearly invested in what the Braves are doing. Mm -hmm. They had John Hart. I don't know how old John is, but John, first of all, since he left MLB Network, let his hair go white. Pretty <laughs> awesome. Number two, he looked tan like he'd been playing a lot of golf, which is also great. I love John. I mean, like just working with him those two years, draft and our top 50 prospect show. He's just got such passion and enthusiasm for prospects. And now as head of the Braves and what they're doing, he is so pumped and jacked for their prospects. It's awesome to see. And then here's John Coppolello, their general manager. Here's Bobby Cox, here's Bo Porter, Dave Tremblay. Brian Snicker. Brian Snicker. They I mean, had, Randy Engel. I, I mean, they were just – And they this were, is for their low-class A affiliate winning an award, which we think is a significant award, the best minor league team in on the field last year, but still – to come out like that. Just it, it just, again, it, it did show the Braves way is very much, again, the Braves way. Mm -hmm. And But the other thing that jumps out with that is, is that when you talk about, obviously, John Sherholtz has been associated with the Braves now in some way for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Bobby Cox has been associated with the Braves for longer than that. But then at that table also, Brian Snicker has been associated with the Braves since 1977, if I remember correctly. Randy wow. Engel. Randy Engel's a, a mere babe in the woods compared to Snicker. He joined the organization, <laughs> I believe, in 79. 
And they both, both of them, when you talk to them, will talk about it. It's like, no, 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 Rick Albert. Rick right. Albert was here a couple years before I got here. So, I mean, to, again, when you talk about how long these guys held the Braves, like longevity and stability is very important to them. Randy Ingle, manager this year of the Rome Braves team that is the was our minor league team of the year. Randy talking about during his playing career being at third base and then Bob Horner starts being Bob Horner and they say, <laughs> you know what, we're going to try and move you to second now. That's how long he's been a Brave. Again, it's just that it was something where at one point it was like, yeah, we got to move you for Bob Horner and that's he's been a Brave ever since. The other cool John Sherholtz moment was when Pat Gillick was receiving his award, the Roland Hemond Award, and before he even talked about receiving the award or anything about himself, just stepped from behind the podium and recognized John Sherholtz in the crowd and uh, standing ovation Two for John Sherholtz. That was, that was really impressive. Yeah, that was the real respect, real moment of the night. I mean, like one Hall of Fame executive honoring another Hall of Fame executive. And we had a future Hall of Fame executive in there in Theo Epstein and the Cubs. And uh, definitely appreciate the way that the Cubs brought all their affiliates just made the Baseball America Gala their party. And between the Braves, Indians, and Cubs, those three organizations repped and presented last night. And it was great to have a lot of BA alumni in the house. Half of them were with the Indians. But um, it was a fun night and a great room. And the fun thing with the Cubs, when you talk to the Cubs front office, it's like the, the, what, the sense that I got, you know, you got from multiple people was, yes, when you come to Chicago, when we talked about what this could be. You have some idea in your mind of what it could be. And then it happened, and it's so far beyond what you could have imagined that it would be. And yeah. just how impressed, you know, like, yes, you knew that the, the city was going to go crazy, but <coughs> they I still, just, yeah. the, the, the moments were bigger than they thought. I just think of, uh, <coughs> I think of uh, Theo, I think of our last gala in its previous incarnation, <laughs> in 2008 in Las Vegas, where we were off-site at the minor league hotel, and Theo came over from the major league hotel to Bellagio to our hotel over the monorail or whatever. It was not easy to get to, and Theo had a newborn, and he still came as our executive of the year when he was working for the Red Sox, came over, made, his made time for us. Last year comes the gala when Joe Madden was our manager of the year, our major league manager of the year. Frankly, low on the Baseball America award totem pole, and Theo comes over, gives Madden his award, and then he's on the phone, and he's getting Ben Zobrist mm -hmm. during the gala. He ninja signs <laughs> Ben Zobrist. And last night, the whole org is there, but back of the room, Jed Hoyer ducked back <laughs> out of the back of the room, worked the hell out of the phone, text messages left and right, and then made the trade with Jorge Soler going to the Royals for Wade Davis. So that organization values what we do in the organization. They support that, which we really appreciate that they show up. But the work never stops for the Cubs. So it makes them the Cubs. Oh, so it makes by the, the way, Othea. they had their owner accept the award, which yeah, which is a pretty notable thing in and of itself. Tom Ricketts accepting kind of a big for, deal. The, for the Cubs. So that was and, pretty cool too. And what was the statement that Jason McLeod made Monday at the awards luncheon? Fly the W, but the W for them meant when it happens. The W was for when it happens. But what did he say they changed it to? I think now he's saying where it happens. That's, I think he said that. And, and I told Tom Ricketts that. I said, well, now he says that the W stands for where it happens. And Tom said, really? They, they did that? He didn't even know. <laughs> so the owner has enough things to do with the renovations they've done to Wrigley Field and all those kind of things. But 
the, that organization top to bottom is just, uh, that's why they're organization of the year. It's truly, I mean, it's one thing, I know a lot of fans, and Jason said everyone's going to hate us now. We know that, <laughs> you know. So there's Because this is not going away. It's not going away. But also, you know, there's a lot of people just dismiss it. Oh, they've got resources. They do something with those resources. They do a lot with those resources, and they're not afraid to try new and things. And plenty of teams have had the early first-round picks they've had and not done the what they did with them. So. <laughs> Correct. Well, the other thing is, is that, the, okay, they have resources. The other part of the Theo Epstein experience is the resources grow. Yeah, they do. They've done that in Boston. They did that in Chicago. You're they grow. Right. They, they, they do things to build them. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And uh, speaking of Boston and what uh, Theo's old organization, um, they're not incidental, incidental to these winter meetings um, or to Major League Baseball. Obviously, they had a Cy Young Award winner in the American League last year in Rick Porcello. They won the American League East. They've got one of the best players in baseball, Mookie Betts. And, yeah, they lost Big Poppy, but that was a very active team so far at these winter meetings. And Dave Dombrowski, if it's not nailed down, you know, especially if it's a minor leaguer, be ready to move. Rent don't buy if you're a Red Sox farmhand because he is traded uh, by Pete Abraham of the Boston Globes count. He's traded 21 prospects since he took over in Boston, and that was what, in uh, August of 2015? Is that when he took over? Yeah. year and a half. And but as, I think as we talked about off air this morning, like you know what you're getting when you bring in Dave Dombrowski and – that's and, what he's doing. And you have to also remember is that Dave Dombrowski pulled off the best prospect for big league talent trade we'll probably ever see. Right. Uh, Andrew Miller. Yeah. Cameron Maben for Miguel Cabrera. What did the Marlins get out of that? Nothing. Nothing. Cameron Maben, after he left the Marlins, has turned into a, a solid, useful productive, big useful big leaguer. But that's it. Andrew Miller's turned into a stud, but that uh, was in the career reclamation the stage yes. of his career. Delayed reaction. <laughs> what have the Tigers gotten from Miguel Cabrera? The best hitter in baseball. Yeah, you forgot for, Burke Badenhop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that trade was Burke Badenhop, because I love the name. Had a perfectly fine career as a middle reliever, well, but yes, it just points out your, it goes to your point. The, the point being, this trade could be a win for the Red Sox, even if Yohan Mankata becomes the player that we think he could be. Right. Because the Red Sox window, as they look at it, and I know that they're a big market team, but their realistic window with this team as they have it right now is 17, it's 18, it's 19, and maybe it's 20. Bogarts is a free agent at the end of 19. Obviously, they could re-up him, things like that. But Pedroia at that point is still right. under contract, but at the same time, you're going to be paying a lot of money to a player who's probably not going to be at the peak of his powers by Correct. this stretch. Betts is going to, you know, Betts' contract's up Start after 20. Ex- starts getting expensive. Mm-hmm. And then you have also the reality of this is that. Jackie Bradley. But that's also when the David Price contract, when you sign the big money free agent, you know that there's a high likelihood that there's going to be pain at the end of the deal. Yeah. This is what the Yankees went through. Well, you could look at it as they've shortened their window, but you could also look at it as Mankata could not really be contributing to their window. Michael Kopech could not be contributing to their window until 2018, 2019. Yeah, in my mind, if you're going to make a big trade like this, like the Red Sox did, you make it for Chris Sale. The problem, if, I were, if I'm a Red Sox fan and I have a problem with the way David Dabrowski's operated, 
I have a problem with Anderson Espinoza for Drew Pomerantz, which we had at the time. I have a problem with emptying the system in a way like they did for Craig Kimbrell with the Padres. You know, boy, you know, I know how the gear had a bad year last year. I'd still, I'd sure like to have Manuel Margot as a trade chip for more than a than Craig Kimbrell. I'd even have more of a problem with Travis Shaw and Mauricio Dubon. And who was the third player in that deal? Was it Diaz? I forget who the was third the, player uh, was. In the there's so many tra- yeah, was it Diaz, the uh, Greenville reliever? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, who's got a big arm? Victor Diaz. Who's really, who's one of three good relievers they had there, and he may have been the best. I mean, I'd have a problem with that trade. I mean, I like Tyler Thornburg. Don't get me wrong. I like Tyler Thornburg. But that was a high price to pay for a middle reliever. So, again, uh, the price of relief is up in Major League Baseball. There's no question about it. Hey, the Cubs gave up Glaber Torres and other prospects for half a season of Aroldis Chapman. But guess what? You win in the postseason with relief, power relief arms. The Indians almost won a World Series based on Andrew Miller and Co- Cody Allen and, and, and Brian Kluber. Shaw and, and Corey Kluber. And duct tape, exactly. So, I mean, so the value of relievers is up, which is a very interesting question, I think, for us as prospect evaluators. JJ asked on the Twitter machine if people had questions about this. Of course, uh, Japers asks, uh, jumps right in, which prospect package would you have preferred for Chris Sale, the Red Soxes, or the reported Nationals offer of Robles, Giolito, Lopez? Because supposedly they did offer right. all three, which is Robles one, Lopez, Giolito, whichever one's two or three. JJ and I are on Team Ronaldo. Um, but it's a, it's a group effort at Baseball America. I think we have a split camp on Lopez v. Giolito. JJ, and, which and, package and, would you and prefer? And let me also say, it's not just how we do this. We have talked, right. at this point, we have literally talked to someone, and I would say close to one-third of all the organizations in baseball yeah, it's about close this to very 10. question. It's close to 10 pro scouting directors. Been, you know, yeah, where we were like... Um, everyone I see at the meetings, I've been like, hey, let me just ask you. Yeah, Gilito, I've asked a couple Lopez, Roba, you know. Yeah, how you line them up. And I think the fact that Barry Sferluga, the Washington Post, uh, new, new columnist of the Washington Post, he, t- he tweeted that Robles would have been, the Nationals were willing to include Robles to the White Sox for sale but he's off the table for other deals. If nothing, if, if you don't need, that's all I need to confirm we already had Robles going to be number one on their list. That's confirmation. They view Robles as their number one. Their biggest trade ship is Victor Robles. That's what makes a number one prospect. But if you ask me which deal would I take, I probably would say if I'm the White Sox, I take Mankata Kopech. I agree. Because Mankata, I like, Victor Robles is a very good prospect. If you are mapping out a best-case scenario, I would say, for Victor Robles, it's kind of funny that we that the Nationals have been looking at trading for Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon is what you're hoping he becomes. And the thing is, the little extra with Andrew McCutcheon is the makeup, the presence, the face of a franchise. It's easier for Andrew McCutcheon to be that, I think, than for Victor Robles because we live in the United States of America, and it's easier for an American player to be the face of a franchise than a Latin American player. Does it preclude the Latin American player? But that's a little extra you get with Kutch, and that's, I don't think, so I think Robles could be an approximate McCutcheon, but I don't think his ceiling is that high. I think it's very high, but it's not as high as Joao Moncada's. And Joao Moncada... Yeah, we fall different right. on this. Like, I, for me, the face of the franchise thing is like, you know, I, that's... Kind of like, and it, it helps in revenue and all, but it. Well, I'm just saying it's like a little, just a little extra. It's a little, but, that's what makes Andrew McCutcheon Andrew McCutcheon to me. I mean, that's you know, he's he, he's he's just a little bit extra kind of player that gives him a little extra value to me. Yon Mankata, I don't think he could be that face of the franchise either, but I think he's a power speed guy. I mean, you know, and I you think he's a dominant talent. Is, it's higher. It's higher because Yon Mankata is vastly more physical than Victor Robles. Vastly. Vastly. 
Johan Kano is vastly more physical than 99.999% of the people on the planet. He is a power guy, I mean, with who is jacked. He was who impressive. Also, who in also person. can fly. No doubt. Who yeah. also can really run, um, you know, could be an impact base dealer as well. And again, it's all about if he just makes solid contact. If he makes consistent contact, everything else. And I do think that moving to the White Sox for him, I'm not saying that he couldn't be a third baseman. He's got a really good arm. Could have worked out, you know, long term there. I do think for Yohan Mankata, it is better for him to be somewhere where it's like, you know what, second base. Well, the other thing is the White Sox aren't done. <laughs> so no. we'll see what they get for Brett Lowry. We'll see what they get for Jose Quintana if they trade him. We'll see what they get for Todd Frazier. Because if you're not, if you don't have Sale and you're going to trade Quintana, why do you have Frazier and Lowry? There's no point. Just just fire Sale. And, and guess what? They needed it. Their farm is, system flat out stinks. So it's gotten it a lot better. It, it did. It doesn't anymore. It does not anymore. Um, it's, and that's even with after one deal. They'll have more to come. They really need. I mean, they were in the twenty-six to thirty range, and they needed an influx. Well, well let's be honest. They were in the twenty-six to twenty-eight. The twenty-nine and thirty; those have been reserved. White Sox versus Marlins would have been very interesting before this trade. I'm not on the Marlins system, having just edited it. <laughs> it's ugly, and it's really bad. But the Angels are a special place in hell for that farm system. <laughs> it's just—I mean, nothing personal against the players. But it's just a really awful top 30. We, we really did think, I mean, we're giving a little bit away here, but as we looked at it, when we got the Angels and the Marlins in, we were like, okay, let's line it up. Because we think that we thought that these two orgs were really going to battle for 30. And then we start going, and it's like, okay, let's go at number one. Oh, advantage Marlins. Okay, let's go at number two. Yeah, okay, that's a push. Okay, let's go to number three. Oh, advantage Marlins. Okay, let's go to number four. Uh, advantage Marlins. Okay, let's go to number four. Okay, well, no, this is not as close as we thought. It really wasn't. So, um, I'll be interested to see what the White Sox do. JJ, where do the Red Sox farm system going to fall? I mean... They were, they were a top-heavy farm right. system. And most of that top is gone. And a lot... If you look at the top ten at this time last year, we were saying it was... you know, And this is right around the time that they had traded Margot. I mean, but you had... Last year, before that trade... The top of that system, the the elite prospects, as I guess you would call it, would have been Benatendi, Mancada. Mancada would have been at number one, but Mancada, Benatendi, Anderson Espinosa, Manuel Margot. Kopech wasn't Kopech was in his suspension, getting yeah. ready to punch a you know teammate <laughs> phase. So he may have been a notch below. Endeavors, you had that was the group. Yeah. And of that group, got Benatendi. Got Devers. Got Devers. For now. <laughs> and that's – and I do think when you say for now, like – Yeah, I'm not sure what other moves are really I, I mean, the other, thing, the other thing for them is, is that this does mean that Devers is logically the – like if you said, I know that their Pablo Sandoval hopefully will be in the best shape of his life, oh, but, oh, oh, oh. but you are talking about, okay, Devers is the long-term answer at third. This is why the Red Sox could do this. Yeah. Devers is a long-term answer at third. A little clearer path for him now. They've gone out like, okay, you know, they're they're going to veteran Phil DH, you know. I, Which I makes guess. sense. I mean, they went out and signed Mitch Moreland, too. Right. So Mitch Moreland potentially at first base. Mitch Moreland and, Tra- and Sam Travis right. could, could, could try to work in there, you know, if he could compete for that in yeah. the long term. I think Hanley played better as a first baseman. He obviously hit better. I think you'd like to keep him in the field – 
a bit to keep him more engaged, but it looks like he's going to be the DH. Right. So you're going to do that. But other than that, second base, Pedroia yeah. is signed forever. Shortstop, Bogarts is your shortstop until he's, he either exactly. extend him or his free agent contract is over. Third base, okay, that's Pablo Sandoval for now. You need a backup plan, let's be honest. But and then Brock Devers, Holt's a fine backup plan. Right, and then long-term it's Devers. The outfield, Benatendi's in left, Bradley's in center, yeah. Betts is in right. Again, barring injury, that's your that's your lineup. That's your outfield in 17, yeah. your lineup at 18, your lineup in your outfield in 19. Somewhere in this, you wonder where Blake Swihart factors in, whether he's behind the plate or whether he – is like your fourth outfielder, basically, <laughs> you know, like in left field. And or your fourth you have three center fielders. Basically. You have, and that's the thing, you have three center fielders, basically, in the outfield. So if Swihart's your fourth guy and you put him in left and move the other guys around, I mean, they, they do have young player options. I would hate to be Henry Owens right now. I believe that he has no place in the future of this organization. No, zero. Um, I mean, you know, so they still have some, like, but you'd be selling low. But the, the Red Sox look fairly set and I in good shape. I'm surprised Swihart was not in this deal. Yeah, seriously. I mean, like the good guys could use some catching help. Because <laughs> why not take a flyer on him? I know they have Zach Collins. You know who will be? He's, it's the White Sox. He'll be moving quickly. Correct. Yeah, but, that's the thing. Yoan Moncada will now go higher on rookie lists because there's no way the White Sox are keeping that guy. Charlotte Knights better not be printing up Moncada jerseys to sell <laughs> for some merchandise. He ain't playing in AAA this year. Maybe I, a little I, bit, I, but I not much. I would be shocked if he played a little bit, but at the same time. It's the, the, White it's the White Sox are an aggressive organization when it comes to moving guys. Now they have now again, they have moved some guys around. You know, so I, I, you always have to see like again, it's not at the top that they move guys around. Right. But Nick Capra has gone from being their, you know, has gone from being farm director to basically being on the big league staff. Right. And so we do have to see will you know the philosophy change at all with that because again, it's not the farm director makes these calls in a vacuum, but they are involved in them. Yeah. And but the Red, the White Sox have always been known as a system, a team hyper aggressive. I, I lost a bet. I lost a bet with Josh Norris in the office because I thought that Birdie would have been in the big leagues this year, because this past year because it's the White Sox. I think that was a good trade, a good a good uh, bet on your part. And I'm shocked that you lost that bet. I'm shocked. Um, we have a few Twitter questions all over the map. Um, well, I'll ask you. I follow only O's. I guess an Orioles fan asks, uh, how have the changes in the CBA affected the tone of the discussions at the winter meetings? Have you noticed any difference? I think the main thing is that people are just kind of relieved that there was a CBA. Yeah, I haven't noticed any difference in anyone's behavior, just relief that we didn't have to worry about it, basically. Yeah, you haven't um, noticed any difference, have you, JJ? No, I mean, the only really thing haven't. is is there have been some... Uh, everything revolves around the Rule 5. At the time. <laughs> so, there has been some little after effects because there were teams who did look at this as with the expectation or at least they had to prepare for a 26 for man. a 26 man and it would change things significantly in a couple of ways one the Phillies are the team that jumps out to me the Phillies I do believe put their protect list together the guys they added to the 40 man in preparation because the funny thing about this is this is one little odd circumstance of the new CBA timing that it, you know that it had is that Teams had to do their protect lists, who will be available for the Rule 5, not knowing if there was going to be a change to the roster size or not. Mm -hmm. So you look at the Phillies and their protections, they were very cautious about, you know what, if they're 26-man, you can carry guys you couldn't mm -hmm. carry with 25. we got to protect more guys. And they really, if you look at their 40-man now, it's really loaded from the standpoint of they're going to have to, over the offseason, 
when you map out their roster for 2017, they're going to have to. They dumped Michael Marriott just this week, but they're going to have to move a guy or two because they don't really have room for like utility infielders and all that aren't currently on their mm. roster. Mm. So that was an effect that happened from it. The other side of it is is that the Padres with their 33-man roster I, I do ready think, to swoop in and the Rule 5 and make J.J.'s day. <laughs> but the other part of it is, is that teams had started to go through the process of, okay, if we do have a 26-man, that would have then meant that you could make – you could – Draft a draft and stash rule fiver. Yes. To give an example to it, me, that it widened the pool of players that you could have drafted in the rule five and kept. It's mm-hmm. harder Alan to keep. Cordoba. That, that's a great call. Alan Cordoba, who Cardinals the, infielder. Cardinals infielder, who's going to easily make their top thirty. Oh yeah, no, he's he's on the north side of that. You know, easily make their top thirty. He's a guy who's always played a little bit above his tools, but right. you, when a guy goes out and hits like three forty in the GCL. And gets on base and all, and then does it again in the Appy League the next year. You, and he's a middle infielder. You have to take notice. And the thing is, they had an, another guy like that. They had to protect from their forty-man roster and Eliezer Alfonso. Exactly. And second baseman at low class A, who they had to put on the forty-man roster, and he's right on the cusp of their top ten. He might still be number ten. That, the Cardinals list is good. It's a good farm system, um, but, and that's even after graduating Alemis Diaz. Losing Tim Cooney on waivers because he got hurt, Marco Gonzalez being hurt, and uh, Nick Plummer, their 2015 first rounder, having Good. a disastrous injury real 2016. So, even with some things going south in the Cardinals, still got Alex Reyes, who Kyle Glazer wrote about at our website. Mike Matheny said, Oh, yeah, no, we have high expectations for him. Still have Luke Weaver. By the way, Ed, when you talk about who's. When we have some Cardinals questions, so I wanted to make sure we, I address them. When we. When we Talk about who's the best prospect in baseball. We're talking about Makata. Like, Makata's not right now. Like, right, right. Right now, we would not say, I know he was number one on our midseason list. We had, we just came out, we're, our Red Sox list came out in November, and we had Benintendi one, Makata two. That doesn't mean Makata can't be number one when our Tom Holland rolls out, but it's, it's, it's less it's likely. It's less likely, yeah. But the we other have, guy we have in seeds that, of doubt. The other guy in that is, is that Alex Reyes is still prospect eligible. Yes. And if Alex any- Reyes, if you're talking about who's the best pitching prospect out there right now, I. He's on the very, very short list. Yes. No question. And he might uh, be at the front of that list. So. But if you jump back to the tone of the meetings being yeah. affected by the CBA, having been to a winter meetings when there was no major league participation, I mean. Tell us what that, it was like, Will. <laughs> that was a crazy time. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like talking to any of the major league people that they really considered that even a possibility, even though it was discussed if there's Right. No you sound agreement. like Ben Badler. You didn't like, like it was all up front. <laughs> You don't. It, it's not like people are talking about. Oh, I had to scramble my travel plans at the last minute. Everybody planned to be here and is happy to be here with an agreement signed. Ben did not believe those rumors. That is for sure. Um, and he's worked on an international <laughs> story that uh, other ramifications. Kind of his opinion of it. Um, I think teams are still getting details about the draft. I thought of some agents who still don't have the. Is that Marine One, JJ? That's not is, Marine One. That's is not it? Marine One. That okay, is a, that's a, a Huey. So that is part of the group, though. <laughs> we we, we got they, they thankfully do not put the president in a Huey because that, that that yeah that's that, not that like a smooth right ride. Thirty five years old. Yeah, I just saw it turning. It turned <laughs> when it turned. It looked different, but uh, we we're at the Gaylord National Harbor Hotel, and it's got a great view of the Potomac when it's not raining, and you can see the Potomac River, which is right outside. But it's, uh, but if we see any interesting <laughs> aircraft, we're going to lose JJ for a few minutes as he goes out on the balcony to <laughs> this is true check serial numbers. There was one other. Uh, 
there's one other guy for the White Sox who's also rumored in these trades is Adam Eaton. And I might actually, we had a question here from uh, Colorado Sports Talk. No, it wasn't Colorado Sports Talk. I'm sorry. It's, it's uh, Patrick Corn Dogs Jackie on Twitter. <laughs> I like that. He uh, wanted to know if there's any chance the Mets can swing a deal for Adam Eaton. I just think it is important to note that the White Sox, they do have some interesting pieces for a team that only won 77 games last year. Between Brett Lowry, who I don't think is a very oh. interesting piece, Todd Frazier, Adam Eaton, Jose Quintana, they do have interesting pieces to deal if they just tear the whole thing down. But the thing I'll ask with that is, is usually these teardowns involve you keep someone. You don't. I think they keep Brett Lowry. And they're going to keep Tim Anderson. He's only for one year. Right, but he doesn't have much value to me. A, you stick him back at third base. You trade Todd Frazier, who's got 40 home run power, for all those flaws. But Adam Eaton, I think the last two years, has been the player on their team on baseball reference war who's had the highest war on their team. That's what I'm saying. Like, to me, Eaton is the guy. If if you're going to keep a guy, he makes sense to me as the guy that you say, no, we're not, you know, we're going to keep our best player. Hmm. And I'm not saying you... Would never trade him if it's a I'd, great. I'd trade Jose Abreu if I could get something for I, him. I would absolutely. Because again, when you say, okay, Adam Eaton should still be a very good player in 2018, 19, especially when the White Sox may be, you know, back right. on the upswing. 20, 2020, when they're. I don't, I don't know if Jose Abreu still will be. Yeah, it's harder to. His skills should last longer than the <laughs> first baseman uh, all-bat uh, skill set. So, Especially if Reeves had a little bit, let's be honest, an up-and-down. I was bad last yeah. year by what he – by his standards, he was very good in 2015, not very good in 2016. So, By the way, um, apologies everyone listening to the podcast. As you can tell, I have a cold, <laughs> and I'm trying to fight through it. You've soldiered, you've soldiered through it all week, JJ. And, and we don't uh, have a cough button. So. No. no, we're just uh, – we have a little bit lesser technology. JJ, do you want to go a full rule five, rule five food, or do you want to save that for later tonight? Then we might want to Can I do that. it both? We, we, <laughs> I'll, let's, let's we've, give, we've teased just, it a little just bit. Just give us a taste. Let's yeah, we've, okay. we've little, teased it a little bit that the Padres are going to be active. Do you anticipate it to be an active rule five draft, 15 to 20 picks in the major league phase, or do you anticipate fewer than 15? It's about the cutoff here, here's line. The, here's the sad thing. Okay, so I've been prepping for this ever since the 40-man rosters were set. The, you know, then and and all that. Here the list comes out. Here's the availables. Okay, now start pouring through that. Teams, for some crazy reason, they don't treat it like that. They like have meetings yesterday and today to kind of finalize this. So I really that part. I mean, maybe we will come back with a later podcast. And I tweeted story. that you care as much or more than most teams. I believe I could have said you care longer than all the teams. Well, but, but the thing about it is, is uh, again, to take it through the process as I understand it, what happens is, is that, okay, the list comes out. But the first that, goes thing out gotta, the, that goes out to the pro scouts. first thing they have to do is decide who they're protecting. Right. They have to decide who they're protecting. And that's a whole separate set of meetings. Right. But then once you're done with that, then it is, uh, at that point it becomes, okay, the scouts, the analytics guys and all that. Who do you like? Who do you, who's interesting to you in this? And so everyone has some time to kind of, you know, go through the list. Hey, I saw that guy. I like that guy. And there are scouts who share the sickness that I have. And they're, <laughs> as they're going through the season, they're noting this guy could be Rule 5 eligible at the end of the year. And they're making notes of all that. Well, then you get here and you kind of get to finalizing it. But the finalizing it, really, I've had teams tell me, like, I'll see someone on Wednesday morning and I like, you know, the draft on Thursday and go, so what are you here? And they go, we don't really start 
focusing on that until tonight. I mean, that does happen. It depends on the team. And, again, it's also, you know, are you at 40 or are you not? Because some teams are like, yeah. we're at 40, we're out, you know, and it just doesn't matter for them. But the two little nuggets I will give now is, is I want to nail this down more, but you mentioned the Padres. The Padres have a lot of open 40-man roster spots. They do not seem to indicate in any way that they are that they've saved those roster spots because there's a big free agent spending push right, coming right. that is going to fill their rotation, which right now, I speaking of Rule 5, that Luis Perdomo may be the ace of. Right. Rule 5 pickup last year, and let's be honest, should not be the words ace and Luis Perdomo in 2016 <laughs> should not go together. Maybe 2020, you know, whatever. Yeah. But there is some thought they picked four players last year, which is as active as anyone will ever go in the Rule 5 draft. It is very hard to take four players in the Rule 5 draft. You have to, for one, it's not like you can't trade for Rule 5 picks. Right. They're available. They are. But they went out and they had four guys. They kept Perdomo stuck. They kept Jabari Blash because when they offered him back, they worked a deal to keep him. So they went one and a half out of four. Yeah. It, there are rumblings that it would not be surprising at all if the Padres are very aggressive again. On the flip side, if you said which team... Is there a team out there who could lose more than you know a guy, more than one guy? I would say right now it's the Reds. Yeah, and I'm coming again, to your preview, and there are a lot of Reds throughout it, and it's different kinds of players. And, and, and again, to take y'all behind the window, you know, behind the the curtain for a minute. I did start with, uh oh, is this just partly because I've done the Reds list for us for ten plus years, yeah, and so I know that system really well. And so these guys seem more interesting to me than a guy, you know, or def- different organization where I don't know them as well. But then I've talked to guys and like, no, 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 we've there's a lot of Reds guys' names coming up, right? Because they have, and I think this is the good news, bad news of the Reds farm system is is that they have a lot of potential big leaguers in their right. farm system. Not a whole lot of guys you say that guy's a future star, but a lot of guys who you're like, no, that guy could could potentially help a team. They may lose. Uh, a couple of those guys. They're a team that jumps out as like, yeah, again, it's all eye of beholder. It's all that you find that one team because it does not matter. I mean, this is the Rule 5 draft is one where the guy who goes 1-1, it's very possible that if he didn't go 1-1 in the Rule 5 that he would go unpicked in many mm-hmm. years. I mean, I'll give an example of that years ago now, but when Terrell Young was from the Reds, went 1-1 overall, and – I remember talking, you know, I remember at the time thinking and talking to a couple of our teams were like, no, he was not on our board. You know, and he threw 100 back at the time when throwing 100 was, but Terrell Young didn't stick. I think it was the Nationals. It was, it was, it was the Nats who picked yeah, him, yep. The Nats take him, and he didn't stick. And But it's all I have beholder. But, again, with the Reds, it's you can chart out plausible reasons that you could see uh, a Brandon Dixon or a uh, Col- Zach Weiss, Colton Dahl. Colton Dahl. Even a, Colton I, Dahl sounds interesting to me. Again, I, the, 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 the thing where we are to use, we saw Clint Longenick yesterday, where we are at an information asymmetry <laughs> right. is we are on the outside. We don't have eBiz. eBiz is the system that baseball <clears throat> uses, shares medical information and all that. Colton Dahl missed a lot of time this year. A- AJ Preller doesn't know that system either, apparently. hey But Colton Dahl... Missed a lot of time this year. Right. What is the behind-the-scenes injury? Is he info? healthy now? Right. Zach Weiss. 
if Zach Weiss, who did not pitch an official pitch in 2016 for the Reds, but Zach Weiss came into the season as an easy top 30 prospect for them, as a guy who you expected to see pitch in the big leagues for them during the year, if his elbow, he has not had surgery, talked to him, you know, I've talked to him recently, no surgery, says normal off-season workout program, should be throwing like normal, it's just not his time yet to start throwing, that's a lot of risk. But if a team takes him, it's now 100000 but it's a $50,000 gamble because you can offer right. a guy back. Right. If, if you take that guy, now the danger is, is it's, with him, that's also a gamble. Like if you, if you took a guy like that, and he ended up being hurt. It may be a little easier to keep him, but at the same time, right. you also have to pay for the rehab, all that. Yes. But if he's healthy, that's a guy who could easily help a big league bullpen in 2017. Not, we can stash him in the back of it. This is a guy who, no, could actually pitch innings for you. One of my favorite guys on your list was Nick Rout. I don't, uh, yeah. I, I don't know why, but I've always liked Nick Rout back to early Mississippi State days. There's so many dudes from Mississippi State who've had good pro careers recently. That 2013 team that's had like six or seven big leaguers already, um, their runner-up team in 2013. But Nick Rout, I don't believe was on that team. I think he was a 2012 draftee. But 2010, 2011, Nick Rout won our best tools in the Southeastern Conference, best changeup, back-to-back years. Finally getting healthy, they put him in the left-handed bullpen guy. It was good in the fall league. That that was the key thing is, is like if you look at Routes' overall numbers for 2016, you may go, eh, right. But what if you dig deeper into Once it? Once they put him because, in the bullpen, he got because, better. I mean, that's what we love to do. It's the sickness. It is the illness. It is. <laughs> this is what this is why JJ's voice and that's why he's coughing. It's really just Rule Five Fever. It, it rule is. Five Fever. Rule, rule five, five Fever. But it it is those like if you look at him, him as a starter last year. Bad. Bad. Five-plus ERA. But not when they put him so in the bullpen. Peripherals, the same thing. Put him in the bullpen. And again, ERA is not everything, but one ERA in the bullpen. And yep. the peripherals were the same. He was great in the AFL as well. And again, you're talking about – that's the role. You're not – you're not acquiring Nick Rout to be a starter. Right. You're acquiring th- him to be a one-out, two-out lefty. But the other part of this is when these guys get in their rooms up in the suites here, they're going to be somebody in that room who saw him in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And who saw him as a Friday night guy in the SEC and remembers Nick Rout. Hey, I saw him show me a little fortitude here. I saw him get an out when he needed an out here. I saw him made a pitch when he needed to make a pitch because he did it in the best conference in the country when he was at full strength. So I, it's just a, you have a little more depth of information. So that, to me, those are the guys. Either you see him good in the fall league and he might fill that role, or sometimes it's these guys where you have a little bit longer, more information on a guy, so a guy you're more comfortable on taking that $50,000 or more gamble. And that's what, again, when you say why, if someone tried to ask me why do you go crazy about the Rule 5 draft, you just summed it up, is that it does fit in all these things. It's that these guys have long track records. I mean, if you look at our the, the expanded preview for subscribers that went up yesterday. Part oh, of it's it, expanded. <laughs> it, and it is, it is uh, real and it's spectacular. But part of it was also here are all the first-round picks. Yeah, I love that part. Here's the big names. Here's the guys that you know. You probably don't know Colton Dahl. Unless you subscribe to BA. Or read but, the handbook because he was in the handbook handbook, But you know Jairo Barris because he got a lot of money. You know Chris Anderson because he was a first-round pick. You know Courtney Hawkins because he backflipped first for us at NHSI, then on the draft. So a shout-out to, to Alexis Brodnicki and uh, Connor Glassie for getting him to backflip. But you have – but the thing about it is, is that – and I was actually having a conversation with a guy with the team yesterday to talk about it. It's like – that when these guys, when you do, when they're doing these in the meetings, it is. All these guys, someone has some sort of reason that they're bringing them up. And there are stats involved in it and all. But there's also, I saw this. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I cannot get over 
uh, I think our pro I mean, look, I'm the guy who gets to do the fun of putting the list together, but and I made clear of pointing it out in it. This is this is we're able to do this because of the process we use through the year. Right. If right. If the rule five we're sitting on a list. lot of information. If the list came out and then at that point went, okay, I know nothing about any of these guys. Let's start. There's no way to do anything with it. But if you're sitting on where we have notes on a large number of these players, because that's what we do all year, and you have notes from 15 and 14, and then we have draft notes from 12 and 13 and all that, and you put all that together, that's how you can write up 82 guys. And right, you don't not on the spur of the moment. And, and the thing about it is, is that it's again, it's not just me. It's everyone going, "Hey, here's the guys that jump out to me," and that's what allows us to do this, and that's what makes it fun. Is we that all have a is, little, we all have a little case of the fever, but only JJ's <laughs> like yeah, the opposite of bedridden. <laughs> you know, like I mean, uh, I do worry that Friday I'm going to wake up and like I can't get out of bed. I'm just I've put it all into the rule five, and now I'm. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's part of what makes us who we are. We love, uh, we love kind of how our DNA <laughs> is a BA. And uh, this, again, it was on, on display last night in the room at the BA Gala. So uh, Josh Norris's story will be on by the, uh, up at BaseballAmerica.com. By the time this podcast is up, I'm going to go edit this podcast, edit his story, take Mickey Moniak back to the airport. <laughs> we also have a, a photo gallery. That's oh, right. That's up now. And we'll also have we, a we got, Kyle got, Lewis podcast. We've got a Kyle Lewis podcast to do. We're probably going to try to get Mickey. Oh, we're getting, I, I, he knows that that's the cost of the ride is the, <laughs> is the podcast. We got that. We also have Ben's story that looks at all. I mean, yes. if you would, if you enjoyed the meatiness of the Rule 5 preview, you will enjoy the meatiness of Ben's look at what the international ramifications of the new CBA are. And then we also have story we're going to report today, a significant story with USA Baseball. Yeah, and change it to the draft uh, process and not the way that the draft happens, but the way that players are prepared for the draft. That is changing. Major League Baseball looks like it's deciding to try to take – they want to take out the middleman and pass along the savings to you, the parent. So uh, very interesting story uh, that goes on there. So there's a lot happening here at the winter meetings. We will talk about it some more hopefully later tonight. Uh, Scout of the year is tonight. So oh, it's a great event. It's a great event. Uh, I, I, I'm going to guess we're going to get a podcast with Rick Schrader. He's one of the scouts. Signed Dave Lawn, among other things. Lonnie was texting me, the pitching coach at University of Arizona. But Rick Schrader was already just giving, loading me up with stories on Monday afternoon. And he's like being shuttled around. So he we, wants we, to do a podcast, and we, and we need to. It. We're so. going to do that. I mean, you, every so one gonna, of those guys, seriously, oh, yeah, four honorees. And well, I don't want to talk to Larry Kerrigan. But, so. but, <laughs> Everybody but else, thing, yes. But all four of them have stories <laughs> out you know, that can go on forever. I agree. So uh, for Will Lingo and J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.